Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, this is episode 247 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jason A. Meiske. I am the host and creator of this show. Back again with a very special guest. We are talking with suspense and fantasy author D.M. Murphy. And I got to tell you, this was such a fun discussion. And you are in for a treat of a show today. Um, Diane D.M. Murphy was just fantastic. She was such a delight to talk to. And, you know, we start off right away discussing her military background because she she was active duty military and, uh, you know, once a veteran, always a veteran is how I feel because you sacrifice that time. So I wanted to, we, we discussed that a little bit, um, how that affected her, her work and how that actually got her started, you know, following this dream of being a writer, which was really interesting, I found. We also discuss how her career in journalism may have helped her write today, why she chose fantasy, and the inspiration behind her debut novel, Down, 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 the Beckler trilogy, which book one you're going to hear from today. And uh, (laughs) we're also hearing, why did it take so long for this book to finally come out? Like she waited until retirement before finally writing and finishing this story, something I can relate to. And you know what? I think a lot of you authors out there who are aspiring, I think you guys can relate to Diane as well. You're going to really enjoy this conversation. We had a really good time. It was just a very friendly, very casual chat. And uh, yeah, I I welcome you to join us by the fire. And uh, (laughs) I don't really know what I'm saying here. Just join us today and uh, check this out. I I think you're going to really like this. So yeah, uh, those of you who follow the show, you notice I took uh, an extra week off due to some personal reasons. I had I had a lot of things to work on in my personal life, and things that came up that I wanted to work on. And rather than try and rush an episode and you know get an additional interview done, I just decided I'm going to take an extra week and uh, get some things done. I didn't even actually reply to any emails other than Diane's during that time off. But once I got that settled, I did go ahead and get back going on the special announcements that I have coming up for the show. We'll see how things go the rest of this week, if we can nail something down for sure. I know, let me put it this way, I know I've got one thing set up, we're just nailing the details is all. So potentially next week I'll... I make one of my announcements here soon, and uh, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to sharing that instead of being so vague on here because uh, I, I hate vagueness. It's like, why even talk about it then? But, you know, hopefully you're taking it as something interesting and that you want to tune back in for. I'm also very, very hard at work on Bandit 2, uh, going through my edits. You know, I'm, I'm doing about finished with my first pass. Uh, gonna start the having it read to me, you know, via the automated service that's on Word. You know, I'm gonna bring it over to a Word file and then have it read to me so that way I can listen to it. I want to make sure I've got things down. Uh, but let me let me do this though. While I've got your attention, I am 
currently seeking for beta readers who would be interested in reading book two. And if you haven't read book one, that's fine. Let me know. I'll go ahead and send you a copy of book, book one. So that if you want to check that one out first and have an idea, I think you can read this book two as a standalone. You'll, you'll only miss a couple of things. But that's one of the things I need to know about, too, is book two. Um, you know, am I hitting everything that I need to hit? You know, does it does it stand on its own? Is there things I'm not explaining? You know, I think I'm just too close to it at this point. So I'm seeking beta readers who are interested in reading it. Um, I'm hoping I can get that to you by the end of October. And then I'm going to need about two weeks turnaround, though. So if you're interested, I'll get to you as quick as possible. And then if you can have that, have your notes back to me by middle of November, that would be best because I'm looking at an early December release. So anyway, uh, if you're a quick reader, if you like uh, 80s sci-fi, which is what Bandit, the Bandit series is all about, then let me know. Hit me up at the show. It's samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, that's also a great way to reach out to the show if you're interested in coming on the show. If you're an author looking for a platform to share your work, then you can send me an email. Uh, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, or X Twitter, <laughs> X Twitter, uh, and uh, Instagram. I have been sharing some things lately, mostly the contest that I'm that the show is under right now with. Pop Goes the Culture, a friend of the show, the network that we're a part of. So uh, Pop Goes the Culture is having their Halloween special right now. It's your favorite scary movie. And I chose Poltergeist from the early 80s. That movie stuck with me. It's still, you know, spooky. It's very, still very scary. I actually watched it. My wife and I, we watched it here about a week or two ago. And you know what? I think a lot of it still holds up as being something scary. And that pick has made it into the final four, uh, very much because of you, the listeners, who have been uh, voting for the show, voting for Poltergeist. And this week I'm up against Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So if you want to help out the show, look for my social media posts on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, you can vote in the comments with Poltergeist to, uh, to cast your vote for that and get me into the final round. And uh, we'll see what happens. I also want to invite you to check out Writer's Block Coffee. They have three delicious flavors. There's the signature Writer's Block Blend. There is the Deadline Dark, which, oh my gosh, that will wake anybody up. That'll wake the dead. <laughs> and in my personal favorite, the Whiskey Barrel Aged Blend. That's just such a good smell to it. I just, oh man, on my... My day off, when I'm able to work on the show or just focus on writing, I've got to have some whiskey barrel aged blend, just so I can sit here and smell that that coffee next to me. Um, of course, then I'm distracted. I'm smelling the coffee instead of writing. But hey, if you're interested, make sure you go to writersblockcoffee.com and enter coupon code SAMPLECHAPTER for 10% off. And uh, they're an affiliate of the show, so if you do that, then uh, using that code gives something back to the show. It does not affect your uh, purchase. It doesn't come off of your purchase or anything like that. That's what they give. They donate to the show with every purchase that you make. So it's a good way you can help out the show. 
All right. Well, hey, I have already rambled on uh, far longer than I meant to. Uh, I do want to make sure that you're going to check out the show next week where I'm going to have the sample chapter of DM Murphy's Down, Down, Down. I've already listened to it myself. It's fantastic. It's really riveting, and it leaves you with a little bit of a cliffhanger where you want to know what's going to happen. And I, and I know that you're going to feel that way because I did. So, uh, But in the meanwhile, let's go ahead and get on over to our interview with DM Murphy. Sample Chapter listeners, welcome back. I, I've got a really fun episode for you today and somebody that I'm excited to introduce to you. I've already been having a really good time chatting in the background uh, or behind the scenes, so to speak, uh, with, with my guest today. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to really have a good time getting to know D.M. Murphy. Diane's first three years of her writing career were spent interviewing infantrymen and rangers at Fort Stewart, Georgia a bit different from her suburban upbringing outside Cleveland, Ohio. After discharge, she moved to Arizona and, along the way, picked up a husband, a BA in journalism, two kids, a master of education, a dog, all while living in L.A., San Jose, Houston, Tucson, Pocatello, <laughs> and Youngstown. As a featured writer and columnist for the Daily Youngstown Vindicator, she featured and wrote about the people she grew up with. At the same time, she taught composition at Youngstown State University for 15 years and taught kids with emotional problems and special needs for two in the public schools. Upon retirement, Diane wrote her first book, and she is here today to discuss that. So, ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, D.M. Murphy. Hi, Diane. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here, and, uh, and I've been having a really good time chatting with you already. <laughs> It is great to be here. Thank you so much for the chance to talk to your listeners. Well, I, and I'm I'm glad to have you here. And I, I wanted to make sure, you know, we've got uh, Veterans Day coming up in about a month. And so I wanted to thank you for your service. Um, like me, we, I mean, we both had short careers in the military, but still it you volunteered your time. And that that's something very, very special that uh, that you did that you made that sacrifice. I wanted to thank you for your service. And you and your wife as well. Oh, well, thank you very much. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background. It sounds like you, you had an interest in writing, but it took your military career to kindly kind of kindle that a little bit, perhaps. Is that is that would that be true? Yeah, we were we were actually talking about that. Um, I, I started writing when I was, you know, before I could write, like I would put on plays in the garage for the neighborhood. So I guess that's kind of writing because you've made up the plays. But I didn't really think of that as a career. When I got out of high school, I had intended to be a veterinarian. Mm. And then I tried to get into uh, the Army. And I tested. And they steered me toward what was called public information officer. It got renamed to Army journalist. And so that kind of started that, that launch. And then when I got out, I went to college for theater, playwriting being my first desire. But then I switched over to journalism. <laughs> It's funny, the things that we do along the way to our first books. I I took classes on children's literature. I took a class on uh, writing for, for screenplays and other things, but yet I'm, I enjoy writing thrillers. <laughs> None yeah, of the above. Know, it's, 
I, I just remembered this, right, this moment when I went, uh, the first place I went to school was University of Arizona. And back then you didn't do it on the computer. You actually went from table to table to register for your classes. Mm -hmm. And I went to the English department to register for my whatever it was, 101, probably. <laughs> and my test scores were high on my SAT for English. And they said, um, what are you going to study? And I said, well, I think, you know, journalism and playwriting. And they said, oh, no, they're going to ruin you because they wanted me to be a creative writing, writing major. So interestingly enough, you know, I did end up kind of doing creative writing at the end of the day. Oh, that's fantastic. <clears throat> so you were doing a lot of interviews and such. How do you use any of that today with your writing? Like, do you interview your characters, so to speak? I, I don't in that regard, but I do use it because I think I have a good ear for dialogue now, having mm. interviewed lots and lots of, you know, hundreds of articles through the years and, and, you know, more people than that, because several articles have several people interviewed. So I kind of hope that I have an ear for what natural dialogue sounds like. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I was uh, interested about, too, in your, your bio was you were talking about writing about the people that you grew up with. And I, I can relate to that. I used to write stories about uh, my, my school age friends and I. We were always like, you know, rescuing the school because the Russians were going to invade at any point, you know, back in the <laughs> red, red dawn days and things like that. You never know. What, what, what kind of uh, stories would you write? Well, Actually, the stories I wrote when I, when I in that reference are just at the Youngstown Vin Vindicator. All the people are very blue collar. I grew up in a blue collar neighborhood, so I would interview those people and write about them. But in regards to what you're saying, um, I've spent like my whole life just amusing my friends, I guess you would say. <laughs> what you made me just think of was I used to draw cartoons and do plots you know, terrible cartoons. I'm not an artist, but with my friends and I'd rewrite history. Like if someone was mean to them, I'd have the bully get their comeuppance in my cartoon, you know, with the dialogue <laughs> above the balloon and things like that. So I think probably I've been writing, you know, even, even throughout in high school, I had a column even too. Yeah. So always writing oh. about the people I knew and myself. Oh, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. Any, any of those, uh, sparking something that you're like I may come back to this one day oh all the time you know all the time in fact I have a second book which is not fantasy but that's coming out um soon I hope and I'm, I'm still thinking like oh I should change that this inspired <laughs> me you know oh, I should change that ending I think the ending should be like this which you can't do you have to at some point say I'm done but yeah <laughs> const constantly being inspired by things. I think uh, being a columnist was perfect for me because I'm kind of an armchair philosopher and I could, you know, do commentary on any little thing I saw. I'd walk by a house and it looked cozy inside and I could write a column on that. Mm -hmm. Amazingly, they would pay me for that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> incredible. And people would read it. So, oh, but yeah, gosh. I think all of life's an inspiration. How, how do you think, um, writing columns has helped you. I've, I've spoken to a few others along the way and they all seem to think, or, well, they believe that the, you know, it's helped them in their fiction writing to write tighter stories, got to get to the meat of the story and then they kind of flesh out a few things down the road. Do you, do you kind of 
feel like something like that at the same time or do you feel differently? Well, it's really interesting you would say that because my column was 590 words, period. Mm. You know, that was the space they had for me. So you would write the initial thing and not worry about that. Then you'd go back and you'd think, you know, maybe you were at a thousand words Mm -hmm. and you'd say, oh, there's no way I'm getting that down to 590. But you realize that the finished product when you did is so much better than Mm -hmm. that longer rambling thing. And that you don't take out, like you don't say, well, I'll take out those eight paragraphs. What you do is you take out a word and a word, (laughs) you know, (laughs) drop it down. And so, yes, I think um, when I initially, I'm an incredible rewriter. That is my thing. So I go back and and uh, rework everything, make it tighter. And yeah, that probably came from that being a journalist, you know, all kinds mm-hmm. of, not just columnist, but being a journalist. So, so why fantasy? Uh, that That's one of the things that stood out to me as well was you're writing columns, you're interviewing people, and then your first book comes out and it's suspense fantasy and it's part of a series. Where did that come from? You know, it's so funny because I I had to, as you know, when you're trying to self-publish, you have to brand yourself and you have to identify books that are similar to your book, you know, in the genre. And I really thought, well, I don't even read fantasy. Why, you know, (laughs) why did I write this? I don't understand, you know, what's going on. But then I started to think back to the books that I really like, and they were all fantasy. So um, it was kind of natural for me to, I started in a very real place in the book. It's very noir and realistic. There is a crime scene and, you know, described as a crime scene. And then I had to like do, it's a portal fantasy. So I had to go into that place where it transfers over to fantasy, but I wanted to try and keep the realism to it. So Mm -hmm. I I don't think it's um, necessarily that big a departure from what I normally write uh mm-hmm. I guess it is <laughs> you know the last <laughs> part of the book is but it's still like a um just a, a release of the imagination I guess you know the first part is is imagining something in the real world and then just letting yourself go which is kind of exciting and fun and, and yeah I still still get a little you know bit of reality in there in the in the second part and the next two books as well you know, and I, I can, I can understand that. I, the books that uh, that I really enjoy, they're the stories themselves are like real stories. Like they feel relatable. Okay, so the main character happens to be a werewolf. It's still they're still living a life. They're still trying to pay the bills and do these other things. They got real tr- tr- troubles, and for some reason, having that little bit of something different makes it all stand out differently it 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 sounds like maybe that's kind of something that uh yeah i don't know could you could you agree with that yes i mean even like i look at the books uh most of my inspirations were the real old school you know go to um like jules verne hg wells ray bradbury Mm -hmm. where it just feels like you're entering like journey of the center of the earth you're entering into another world but it exists it, it still exists, like your world exists. And the the lead character doesn't change because he goes into this new environment, which is really true for all of us. I mean, you know, you travel to 
another part of the world and it's very different from what you're like now Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the kind of the goal I set for myself was to describe the new place as vividly as I did and as realistically as I did the the reality the real you know how we from as distinguished from fantasy world Mm -hmm. I hope I achieved that um, there's a <laughs> you know it's a portal so there's like the it's a it's a traditional hero's journey so it begins you know in the the first place where the challenge is presented and then there's like the training and so then there's this one pivotal chapter where uh, my main character Mike Beckler transfers into this fantasy world and I hope that I made that be a good transition we'll see the readers <laughs> the readers will tell me well, I mean, I've already gotten a sample of chapter one and uh, it it's fantastic. It definitely, it comes to an end like, oh, wait, what? I, I want to know more. And I love that. I love that you, you ended it in a way where it's like, I've got to turn the page. Oh, thank uh, so, you. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about her first book, Down, 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 which is the first book in the Beckler trilogy. And yeah, it's a fantasy suspense and man, the suspense is definitely on point and it had me riveted and like it was it was over before i knew it and i'm i'm looking forward to finding out more what do you remember when you got the idea for this what was the the spark yes and i'm ashamed to say it was like 40 years ago Uh, speaking of being in the (laughs) army i was watching um the Rangers, I was stationed in, in Fort Stewart, Georgia, where the 24th Infantry Battalion was. And then later, the 1st Battalion Rangers came in, who are the, you know, I want to be an airborne ranger, the paratroopers. So they, um, we would go out and write about them. So obviously, we would follow them into the swamp and do the different things. Nothing like they did, just, you know, go in and out for an hour and they're in there for two weeks. But I, I was sitting there watching them and thinking, God, where wouldn't these guys go? And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if there was a story about rangers who went into hell to literally recover someone? Mm. And that was like the start. Now, throw in 40 years of aging and disillusionment and pragmatism. (laughs) My (laughs) lead character changes from a battalion of rangers to a disillusioned detective. But I carried through that same theme. Like, what if he had to actually go into hell? And that's where this idea came from. Wow. That's awesome, though. And I love that. I, I think authors generally, we have those ideas that have been sticking around for a long time. My my wife actually just recently asked me about a story from, oh, gosh, what year is it now? Let's see. So this would have been 20, almost 26 years ago, the eve of our third child, our second daughter, we were, we were going to go have her the next morning. And so she, we had a day off oh together. Gosh. We just made a nice meal. The, the older kids went to the grandparents and we're just relaxing. And I was telling my wife, I'm like, oh, I had this idea for a story. And back then I wasn't really writing or anything at the time. Um, and she encouraged me. So it was, okay, you cook dinner. I will and, and dictate and I will write down your ideas. And then, and we did that. We spent a couple hours oh just, just having fun, just, you know, brainstorming and going on and I still have the notebook and she actually just mentioned it here recently hey do you remember that story you came up with that idea you know when are you gonna do that one and I kind of looked at her I was like wow 
yeah, I haven't thought about that in a while, but that would be fun to go back and look at the the ideas and and kind of see what I could do with that. But you know, that's been 26 years ago. I've got so many other ideas that I'm trying to <laughs> that are all on the back burner right now. It's like, right. man, where do you I, where do you go I, next? I was going to say, <laughs> I think I have you beat on that though, because I have I don't have them anymore, but I had. You know, remember those really tiny the the big discs, the whatever they're called, the floppy discs. Yeah, I had whatever discs fit in a Commodore 64, and I have <laughs> yeah. short story I had, I, I don't know, somewhere in the last 10 years I got rid of them, but I had stories locked on those that I couldn't get off that were like <laughs> the beginnings of things that I thought would become novels. <laughs> yep. Those are gone forever, but I do have a couple of others, like I remember the story I had actually written things um, uh, that I think are terrific. When will I make time? I don't know. I'm busy with Facebook promoting down, down, down. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I have a story. I think, I don't know. I, I moved offices recently and I came across it again, but I have a floppy disk in my desk drawer that I found. And it's from like 20 years ago uh, from an assignment I did for my, I, I did correspondence courses when I started doing writing courses. And yeah, my final story for that, I had to do three chapters and then a summary of, of the whole story. And I have that still. Thankfully, I printed it off because I don't oh, think anything's. Yeah, I don't think anything's going to read that now. But along the lines, I learned also the importance of uh, formatting because I took that one time and I went to my in-laws and put it into their computer. And then I had all this gibberish come up. I was like, oh, what happened? And <laughs> that took me forever to figure out. My wife is much better at that than I was at the time. She helped me figure it out. But then I had to do it again when I got back home again. Well, just uh, this year, I started using uh, Scrivener. Yes. And transferring everything into Scrivener. And oh, my gosh, what a I, I know that's not the only one out there, but what, what a revelation, you know, for organization and uh, for my next book in the trilogy, you know, getting all the background and everything into there. It was it was. You know what? It was tantamount to the first time I used a computer to write a column, which was back in college. I think it was 1982. And I had a job that actually used a computer. They sent me, I was, we were in California. They sent me off to school to le learn the uh, Xerox 860. So I spent four days. I learned how to use this word processor. I mean, it was a dedicated word processor. <laughs> I came back and I had to write a column for the school newspaper because I was studying journalism. Mm -hmm. And I whipped it out in like an hour, did all the edits and everything. And I thought, man, this is like the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> I feel like Scrivener is that next, that next level. Oh my goodness. This is amazing that I can do this. I, I love Scrivener. I've been using it after my first book. I, I experimented a little bit while I was writing the first one, but I was too afraid to move everything over. But after my first book, I've been doing everything on Scrivener since. And it's, I, I love it. I, I, I can't believe I had, um, I think I sent you a note that described my earlier method, which was index cards. And yeah. <laughs> I had like index cards everywhere and, you know, chapters trying to figure out, I, I'm sure that, you know, you benefited from the correspondence course that I never took. So I'm kind of like becoming a, a self-taught novelist. I, I had creative writing and I knew how to do short stories and journalism, but that's different. But like the organization of a novel, when I got a great idea on chapter 20, 
nine or something that affected all the other chapters. <laughs> you know, the physical <laughs> act of like shuffling index cards and figuring out where I had to, you know, correct something or add a add a prop or whatever it was. Just so tedious and Scrivener, you know, you do that search function. It tells you every chapter that you mentioned, whatever it is that you want to change and you can do a global change. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so amazing. It's long time listeners know I've been, I've been a fan of it for a long time and they, uh, they know that I'm in the, on the second book of my series and halfway through it, I realized I was incorporating ideas from book three. So I had to go back and pull out about six chapters and then move them over to what will become book three later on and then start over <laughs> where I where I diverted. And, and can you uh, imagine how tedious that would have been? Oh, my we're gosh. We're just using the word processing program. Oh, my God. That would have been I, I would have been just ready to call it quits. <laughs> yeah, honestly. So, well, in some ways, you got to love technology, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us about. Mike Beckler, uh, you were you were telling us a little bit about it already. You know the idea of, of going into hell, um, but what? Tell us about Mike Beckler and and what? Who is he and what? What are we looking forward to in uh, Down Down Down? Well, Mike Beckler is this former cop, and it's alluded to but not discussed how exactly he got removed from the force. But his partner had died, and his partner's wife came up to him and her name is Doria. She asked if she could be his secretary, his receptionist secretary. And she's a real sharp woman, African-American woman, and he, he hires her. So he is in this place now where case after case is just a sleazy divorce case. And he is following people and using binoculars to spy on them, take photos of them in compromising positions, just because it will help his uh, clients negotiating position, you know, for getting money from things. And he's kind of made uh, a pragmatic decision that this is his life. He's mm -hmm. very unhappy about it, but he's like, well, I got to eat, you know, and Doria is basically the uh, Jiminy Cricket. I like to think of her. She's the little conscience that's there all the time and questions his morality and makes him think about it. And so when this uh, case comes to his door, an old high school friend asks him to locate his brother, who's just disappeared from his apartment, which is blood covered. And in a very mysterious way, he is ecstatic, not only for the money, because it's going to be lucrative, but because it's something uh, important. And that's more of a reminder of what he had expected his life to be mm. the book goes from there where he uh starts to encounter supernatural things and it's a, a kind of a morality play too where he's kind of trying to find himself yeah it's uh yeah an every man's journey into a hell of one's own making i i love that tagline that is so riveting and uh, intriguing and uh yeah this is sounds like an incredible trilogy i'm looking forward to uh, picking it up myself and uh, thank you learning learning what happens after chapter one <laughs> so uh so aside from book two and and book three of the trilogy <laughs> what what else do you have do you have anything else that you're kind of tinkering with or uh, some an idea of what what you want to do next well, the one book that I have that's about to come out is in a different genre. It's it's mainstream and it's also a suspense. 
um, book about a little girl who uh, goes missing, but it's in the 1975 in the South. And they're kind of like overtones of racism and uh, even even going back to like the 1930s and Jim Crow laws. So it's the title Oak is uh, the central theme, which is this huge live oak tree. And she is personified and has all these ghosts within her. And one of them is this little girl and this reporter who comes to write about her. So that's my next one. Um, that'll, that'll come up very soon. I also have like a study skills guide because I used to have a study skills website that I'm hmm. working on. Uh -huh. And then uh, I got permission from my old uh, publisher's son, who is now the publisher for The Vindicator, which changed hands, but I got permission from him to utilize my columns that I wrote. So I'm thinking I'm going to put out an anthology of those columns. Oh, nice. That'll be good. So a few <laughs> irons in the fire. But in the meantime, <laughs> I'm trying to make Facebook ads. <laughs> 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 yeah, the the bane of all of our us indie authors trying to figure out. I know out it's the, funny the because um, I I I appreciate being indie because my gosh, you know, you get to you're the one with the final word. How yeah. how incredible is that? I mean, that never happened as a journalist. You don't get the final word, even as a columnist. Someone would go in there and tinker with something once in a while. Yeah, so I, that's amazing. But on the other hand, to do all your own publicity is ugh. What a bear. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a listener of a lot of other podcasts, and there's an episode of one of them getting ready to listen to here sometime. I have it queued up, but I haven't started yet. But they're discussing a recent survey that discovered that indie authors are making more money than traditional authors, which I kind of already knew that. But it's like, wow. that's that's neat to, to hear that uh, they're, you know, the indie market's doing really well. The other thing that I find a little disheartening or surprise, or maybe not even surprising, but is that there's a very big market um, where the purchaser, the consumer is the author. So mm. to navigate through, there's so much information and so much of it is good information. And mm. there's so many different places you might spend your, your budget, you know, your author budget, that it becomes quite overwhelming. You know, what, what do I yeah. want to spend that money on? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. And do I want to do live events? Do I want to go somewhere else? Do I want to just stay in my home and put the books out? There's just so many things because we're all different and we're all wired differently with what we're comfortable with and what we're not. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Well, kind of along those lines, I got one more, one more question for you, something that we're both familiar with, which is that we both waited until a little later in life to start putting out our books finally. Why do you think and, and and we're not alone in that. I've talked to a lot of authors who did the same thing. Why why do we do that? Why why did you wait until retirement to start writing your first fiction book and putting putting one out? You know, I think it's interesting. I didn't actually wait to write it, but I did wait to finish it definitely and rewrite it and all that stuff. But I think I read one time if you want to be a novelist, don't write other things. That may mm. be true because you're kind of satisfying that itch. I know I was because I got to do my columns. I was very creative as a professor because I taught English and I could construct 
you know, what the theme of my semester was going to be. Were we going to investigate this or that or whatever? Mm-hmm. And so I think that I didn't need to do it. And then I came into retirement and you have a lot more time. And what are you going to do to be creative? Like the first few years, (laughs) I wrote plays for the community and we did plays, you know, original plays that were well-received. But then all of a sudden, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to start finishing all these things I started and didn't really finish. And so I think it was time and not having another creative outlet for me. How about you, Jason? Yeah. Oh, gosh. For me, it was (laughs) for me, it was discovering I was going to be a grandfather. And oh suddenly, and, and then going, um, hey, I wanted to be an author by now. I was supposed to have an author career, so, and I haven't even really committed to it in a long, long time. And so it's like my, my girls were little at the time. All my kids were little and in grade school. Last time I was like really trying. And it you know went a couple of years, didn't go anywhere. So went back to work. And then uh, all of a sudden it's like, yep, yeah, they're. I'm going to be a grandpa and then had two kids at the same time. We're going to have uh, kids. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So then I was like, okay, I got to get serious about this and no more waking up in the morning to binge on recorded TV shows or playing video games. I thought "Ah, that'll be my writing time. I'll get up and do that instead. And, And it's much more rewarding, I have to say. And, and I don't really miss, you know, my, my old TV shows that I used to watch. And it's, it's a lot of fun now to, get that creative output uh, and uh, be able to do that. You've really just cap- encapsulized the spirit of my main character in Down, Down, Down. <laughs> Honestly, that's the whole thing is he just has been waiting, 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 waiting for you know this thing. And then all of a sudden, mortality is looming. Yeah. And yeah, we, we always think there's going to be more time. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh i i'm i'm mike oh my gosh so, <laughs> <laughs> oh my diane this has been a lovely chat and i i feel like we could talk for a few more hours but i should probably let you get on with your day and uh yeah i i'm i'm really looking forward to it and of course listeners make sure you stay tuned uh, so next week you get to hear a sample chapter from down 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 and you're going to hear a snippet from Diane before that, but Diane, tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear and uh, and about the narrator. Well, I was very fortunate to have my son do the narration and also the directing because he has created so many shows and uh, podcasts and audible things for other people like uh his company, Mad West Content, has produced all the gory details for Audible and Indivisible for uh, also for Audible, I think. Street mm. Outlaws, he was pivotal in the making of. And so I, I was just really fortunate. And he has a great voice. Um, it's his first audiobook, So it was kind of an adventure for both of us. And we learned along the way. It was so funny because we would make errors and then we would realize after we came up with our unique solution we would look online and yeah, that was the way it was supposed to be done all along. We would go, oh, okay. We could have just looked for an article on how to do this, but we didn't. So it was really fun. I've, I've enjoyed having time with my son to do the thing. Um, but it, it, to set up the chapter, I just had to be the very first chapter of the book so that uh, I didn't want to uh, steal 
any of the suspense from later in the book. But <laughs> so I just presented the very first chapter. Well, your son did a fantastic job. He has a great voice and it, it sounds amazing. And yeah, that first chapter sets the scene and uh, really just makes you want more. So it was, it was a fantastic first chapter. And I'm really looking forward to sharing that with everybody next week. Thank you. And I, I'm so glad we finally connected. I mean, your audience doesn't know, but we had a few. I had a <laughs> uh, a very huge lapse of time when I didn't uh, realize that I had not read correctly that you were in central time and I'm in Pacific time so that I didn't show up <laughs> for our date for an hour. And uh, <laughs> then you had an issue last week. So it's really wonderful to yeah. finally I agree. I agree. Yep. I've been looking forward to this as well, and I'm glad it uh, it worked out. So, well, Diane, thank you so much for your time. Oh, where can uh, people find and follow you? By dmmurphy.com. All right. Fantastic. Well, everybody, you know, I'm going to have the links for that in the show notes. And like I said, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss out next week when I'm back with DM Murphy and a sample chapter from the Beckler trilogy. Down, down, down. Until then, take care, everybody. 